a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Why, I sure hope Dr. Batar is in, and I sure hope he brought some raw, real milk from his home farm. Uh, Dr. Batar, are you there? I am here. Did you bring me some milk? I did not. Oh, man, I closed last segment last hour talking about peanut butter, and my wife brings me uh, a hot out-of-the-oven peanut butter chocolate chip cookie, and now I need my raw milk, and I don't have any right now. Well, I am actually drinking kefir made from the raw milk on my farm. Oh, man. No, I need to be there at the... Ah, well, anyway, next time I'll remember to bring some with me. But Dr. Batar, welcome. Fired up for another Advanced Medicine Monday today. I don't know if you've even had a chance to to review any of the stories, but there's loads of vaccine uh, news going on out there that we can cover today. I actually, Robert, have to apologize to you and the audience. I have not looked at them. I saw a couple of emails come through, but hopefully we can cover them without any preparation. It's not like that'll be the first time we've done that, right? No, I, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we just, just turn on the the radio, and Dr. Batar is ready to go. It's like somebody who wound you up, I don't know, but you're ready. Now, last hour, we talked about some interesting, um, uh, I would say some cognitive dissonance within the political electorate, where a lot of people are excited more than ever because there's a political divide. I'm thinking, really? You're excited about that? Why? Well, because now we have a choice. I'm thinking... Really? Is there a choice between a Republican and a Democrat? What has changed over those time time frames? And there's a similar uh, divide within the vaccine construct where this one is actually more positive and powerful. Over half of Americans now, get this, Dr. Batari, you sitting down? Over half of Americans don't trust government and doctors on the issue of vaccination. Half? Yeah, over half they're saying. This is the mainstream. Yeah, well, this is reported by something called NSNBC. It's not a mainstream news report, but, but, but they are referring to a research letter published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine just this month. So it's coming from a major journal that they're acknowledging that over half of Americans do not trust the government and doctors on the issue of vaccination. Well, it's uh, the movement that we've talked about for the last three years now, Robert, Mm -hmm. that there's something different, the energy's different. The, the awareness is increasing. The universal consciousness can't be suppressed any further, and I believe this is evidence of uh, that increase in consciousness that we've been talking about. Oh, indeed. And, and the thing is, there's obviously a lot of blowback, but we're, and we'll cover some of that today on the air. But the mainstream New York Times has even got this, like, front page debating vaccine exemptions and such. The thing is, if they've lost over half in terms of the trust I don't know how they gain it back because their only methods have been to strong arm and ridicule and marginalize not only uh, the people, but that any doctor who would dare speak up on this issue. Right. And there's those three phases of truth that everything, all truth seem to go through. And the I'm not sure who said it first, but the three phases are first. Is... Tom, did I lose Dr. Batar? I don't hear him. <clears throat> Oh, 
Well, we got to try we'll get and get him back, back on, on the line. line. All right. Yep. Well, the doctor is out <laughs> just for the moment. <laughs> oh, no. Give us a call if you want, 866-939-BELL. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to ask Dr. Batar a question live on the air, but this might be the day. Uh, when we get him back up, we'll find out. Tom will let us know. Uh, 866-939-BELL. Dr. Batar, if you're new to Advanced Medicine Monday, it's what we do each and every Monday, second hour of the show, to kick off the week in style with high medical style. We're talking about uh, issues like vaccine, like autism, or other serious issues like cancer and give you an advanced medicine perspective, a lot of which can be found in his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And all the links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, by the way. Oh, his phone line went dead. Okay, so we're going to find out what's going on. Can somebody put it on on life support? Or or what what are those machines where you can, like, jumpstart them? Can you do that to his phone? Like a defibrillator, you mean, or whatever? (laughs) Well said, Super Don. (laughs) Clear. We got to yep. defibrillate his phone system. Well, we'll right. get to that. But it, but well, it is. Know, a, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was just I was just going to say it's interesting that that this uh, this this thing that was published in this journal. I mean, that's a huge number. Half. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize we had made that much progress in the shift of consciousness that's going on concerning vaccinations and the government and obviously the link between the two. That's rather impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is the cold, harsh slap of reality that the medical, pharmaceutical, industrial complex is having to, to, to figure out what to do with. Because, you know, it was a time in the past where they owned and controlled all of the media. And Dr. Batar is back. Hey, Dr. Batar. Hey, I'm uh, sorry about that. I have no idea what happened. Super Don was knowledge. calling for a defibrillator. Or is that how you say <laughs> it for your phone? That's right. A defibrillator, yeah. I, I don't know what happened. I apologize. But what we were talking about with the with the vaccines mm-hmm. i was right in the middle of the thought process robert and i have no idea what i was saying no that's okay we were just continuing our discussion of that we're, we're still uh, amazed and astonished in a good way that uh, you know if we're over the 50 percent mark they can no longer bully people in the same way they did or marginalize them or ridicule them etc to go back into believing that there's only goodness coming out of big pharma yeah i think that in the next year two years it's going to be accepted as and they're going to take credit for the fact that, well, we always knew that the vaccines, there was an issue with them. So that mm-hmm. third phase after the violent opposition is always having accepted it as having been known. And that's basically how all truthful, the phases of uh, all things that are going to go through that initial ridicule and second violent opposition. I think that more and more people, as you said, with the 50% now, I didn't, I had no idea it was 50%. I thought it was something like 5, 10%. But mm-hmm. I have found in my everyday dealings, and you probably notice the same thing, that a lot of people may be reluctant to talk about it, but when given the opportunity, they yes. open up and they really, really get excited about this and in all, all aspects of life. I mean, not just in a health food store, but you could be at a gas station, you could be in a grocery food place, and you know some, the vaccine issue comes up, and people ask you, well, what do you think about that? And I, I tell them, well, my kids don't get vaccinated. Really, really? That's because I, I really don't believe that either. And I don't do my horses anymore. I don't get my dogs vaccinated. My kids haven't, you know, I haven't, I've told my grandkids that, I've told my children that I don't want my grandkids vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. I bet you half the patients that come into my clinic ask me to talk to their children about their upcoming grandchildren and not getting them vaccinated. But yeah, it is stunning that the grandparents' age are, are now picking up on that because they were, by and large, the age of those who had, you know, put their entire faith and trust into that community that was supposedly looking out for their kids. And they've witnessed over their lifetime that, you know, maybe it was a misplaced trust to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And I think 
the awareness of the of this generation and even the younger generation and having seen the increase in propensity of such things as ADD, ADHD, autism, autism spectrum delay, development, uh, pervasive developmental delay, Asperger's, all these different neurological conditions. I think that awareness that this is happening more and more, and not just a linear growth, but an exponential growth, makes people ask that logical question, which is why? And, mm-hmm. and nobody can give you an answer except for saying, well, it's a genetic epidemic, and that's just an absurdity. Yeah, so exactly. And then that's something I want to talk to you about a little later in this hour uh, where we have some Parkinson's news being revealed. And they're always talk, talking about that genetic abnormality or mitochondrial dysfunction, etc. Never looking at acknowledging the environment and its impact on genetic expression. But we'll get to that. Still want to discuss this a little bit more. Over half of Americans don't trust government and doctors on vaccination. Again, published in Internal Medicine. It's a journal of the AMA. And yet, and yet, I think they still claim vaccination rates overall are up between 90, 95%. So even though there's that questioning of half of the population now, it's still not translating fully into a behavioral shift. Yeah, and I think that that's the fear, the fear-mongering that goes on. So even though they don't believe it inherently, in fact, I'm looking at that study now, it said 20% believe it, 36% were undecided, neither agreed nor disagreed, and 44% disagreed. So I think a lot of that has to do with, well, I don't feel that this is a good thing to do, but I'm afraid I don't know what to do, and so mm-hmm. let me do this just to be on the safe side, but I'm still not sure type of thing. Right, right. Well, it's, a trans- it's actually taking an action based upon fear, which you and I both know is always inherently wrong. Yeah, it's it's a transitional state, though, isn't it? I mean, the first phase is, you know, I'm just, well, let me look around here. It doesn't look like I was trained to look at it. It looks different to me somehow. I'm not certain about it. And that's an honest place to be as you transition. So I think a, a, a big part of that chunk of that 50% or more, probably looking at it and going, I'm not sure what to make of it now. I just know I don't trust it. Right. You know, it's interesting, too, the title, because the subtitle says, that over half of Americans either believe doctors and the government still want to vaccinate children even though they know these vaccines cause autism and other psychological disorders or are undecided on the question. So the fact that Americans that Americans already believe that doctors and government still want to vaccinate even though they know, it didn't say that they think, it says that they know, that's a major, major issue. It's such a major issue. I think the phone fell out of Dr. Batar's hand. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Rasha Batar, and we're, and we're going to dive into the issue of the human papillomavirus, because this is another, I would call it, a virus in the coffin of those who believe vaccines are the only way to pre- prevent disease, when, in fact, the vaccines may be, in fact, creating more disease than they're preventing. And there's revelations about the HPV shot and the HPV itself about having a natural infection, enhancing immunity and function rather than detracting and causing cancer. Stick around. Dr. Batar continues on Advanced Medicine Monday. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show.
is in. The doctor is out. Dr. Bazaar, he's all over. Of course, when he's in the office, everybody's trying to grab at him while we're doing the, the, the show today. Advanced Medicine Monday, Dr. Raj Bittar, uh Check out the nine steps to keep the doctor away. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You know, one of the things I want to uh, transition to is the issue of vaccination related to the human papillomavirus, the HPV shot. You all have heard me talking about it probably for years uh, and, you know, I've even been so bold as to say the HPV, the human papillomavirus, does not cause cervical cancer. <gasps> and I, uh, yeah, I know. It's a shock, right? It's like, wait a second, you're, you're going against all the doctors. It's like, well, not all the doctors, but the ones, the ones who aren't thinking clearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now there's a big, big article here. That, oh, boy, oh, boy, this comes right from the heart of, of vaccine land, GlaxoSmith. Klein, GlaxoSmithKline. HPV vaccine makers study proves natural HPV infection is actually beneficial and not deadly. No. This is huge. Yeah, I know. It's huge. No. Huge news. Be? I know. Right? As we talk about naturally acquiring or interacting with different things that, you know, might challenge our immune system, if you don't intervene, in a sense, via injection of deadly poisons, toxins at, at minute levels, you might actually be better off for it, having an actual interaction with it. And so, of course, the assumption based on polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, taking a fragmented genetic material and amplifying it hundreds of thousands to millions and millions, it's actually tens of millions and hundreds, it's, it's ridiculous, the amplification that goes on, to find out that in that cancerous lesion on your cervix, ladies, there might be evidence of some HPV, or it might be your father's Oldsmobile. Or mother's Oldsmobile. It doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just not sure what's there, right? That's the point. Wow. The, the inaccuracy of the inaccuracy of what's going on here. Dr. Batar is calling me on my cell phone. Super Don, take oh. over for a moment. Okay. Well, it's interesting here that the uh, study from GSK reveals something that I'm guessing GSK did not want people to, to hear and basically what it does is it reveals the fact that should you naturally acquire HPV, you may naturally acquire, guess what, HPV antibodies. Oh, well, go figure. It actually reduces the risk of new infection, mm -hmm. cervical abnormalities linked to cancer. Should you get HPV, your body fights HPV, it eliminates HPV, and develops natural antibodies to HPV. Hmm. Incredible, incredible. By the way, Tom, if you haven't already, call uh, Dr. Batar on his cell phone, the phone system, wherever. It's not responding to the defibrillator. <laughs> oh, so, no. I know, I Flat know. Line. Flat, Flat line. line. the phone system. So, uh, yeah, oh, you man. got his cell number. That was the first number. Um, we, we look at this HPV, okay, the shot. They say it prevents cervical cancer 20, 30 years from now. Of course, that's nonsense. It's bunk. It's ridiculous. But now to go to GlaxoSmithKline's own study, funded and published in the Journal of Infectious Disease, revealing that the naturally acquired HPV antibodies reduces the risk of all new mm. infections and cervical abnormalities linked to cancer. And non-HPV vaccinated. So, in fact, the argument for the shot is the argument against the shot. The irony. <laughs> yeah. Don't get the HPV shot because it might kill you. Okay. Dr. Bazaar, welcome back, my friend. I have no idea what's going on, but today must be some kind of a strange 
electromagnetic disruption around me or something. I don't know. It's the well, NSA. Blame it on the NSA. See, the yeah. NSA knew we were going to talk about the HPV. And what we just revealed from the study, and we just got a couple of minutes or less before break, is that the HPV infection actually enhances immunity and reduces the likelihood for cervical abnormalities, including cancer. Actually getting an HPV infection. Yeah, that's actually one of the newest studies that came out, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, the, it's like the, think of it kind of like the same analogy as a probiotic. It's a bacteria, but it prevents dysbiotic bacteria from setting up house, and so it actually provides a protection, and it's counter to the fact that, well, bacteria is bad. There's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria, and if you have a good balance of the good bacteria, that keeps all the bad bacteria, keeps all the the, the bad yeast, and all just like Saccharomyces boulardii is a good yeast, and that keeps the imbalance down from the bad yeast, it's the same type of uh, scenario. You could kind of think of it as the same analogy. Yeah, it's really incredible how they've turned immunology on its head because it used to be when you had an antibody, it meant you had successfully overcome something, you were stronger because of it, and now all of the evidence points to what they're wanting it to point to, which is not, it's the opposite, that having HPV antibodies is indicative of better health and that you're less likely to get uh, cervical uh, dysplasia or even cancer. When we come back, Dr. Batar and his phone will be with us. We'll get into uh, Parkinson's. Also, a little bit more about the vaccine exemption discussion in the New York Times. Stick around. Check it out. DrBatar.com as well is linked up in the show notes to get the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. But not Dr. Batar. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert, 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 Scott, 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 Bell. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Oh, righty then. You're everywhere, baby. Radio, TV, the papers. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Robert Scott Bell. Bell. You know, I, I wonder if Keith Oberman, if a doctor told him to take an HPV shot for his shingles, he would do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, at last hour, Dr. Batari, there was this, this uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, a liberal news commentator. He's now doing sports for ESPN. And he went through a litany of detail in his suffering from shingles and all of the drugs he's been put on. Painkillers, opiate, to Lyrica, horrible stuff. And he said, it's just awful, and it's not even getting rid of the pain. But when he left the segment, he says, but be sure to get your shingles shot. I'm thinking, how much failure in modern medicine can you reveal in one segment and then go, do one more thing? And he, he, this was on your show? No, it was on ESPN, but we played the audio because oh, it was so unbelievable. Oh, I got you. I got you, yeah. Now, that's the common thing. You know, they talk about the inadequacies and the failures, and then but they want to reiterate the same fallacy and continue to get people to do the same thing. And, of course, we know what the definition of insanity, according to Einstein, was to keep on doing the same thing and expect different results. Exactly. That's what we revealed, or actually Keith Oberman revealed to the world last hour on the show. Now, with Dr. Batar here, I want to get into a high-level medical discussion, if I could say it, obviously bringing it down to a largely lay audience, the issue of Parkinson's disease. A lot of folks... Uh, baby boomers and now beyond worried about neurological degradation, etc. New discovery. They're saying, oh, my gosh, it could be a genetic defect of this gene pink one. And it's an energy issue, which always leads us back to our discussion of the mitochondria. But is it really a genetic defect? No, because this is the same thing where they, all the vaccine injury payouts have been attributed to. And this is exactly the words they use is a rare mitochondrial defect. Well, first of all, it's not so rare. Secondary, secondary, secondarily, the defect 
that they're talking about is not a defect in the gene or in the mitochondria, but is rather the result of an environmental trigger. Because remember that the genes in our current thought process, genes decide and regulate how the body is going to be. What has been lost, and which people didn't understand till the work of people like Bruce Lipton came out, is that the genetic code is nothing more than the expression of the environmental trigger. In other words, the environmental trigger dictates how the gene is going to express itself, and in that expression is where we start to see some of these conditions that we, in modern medicine, refer to as a genetic defect. The gene is not defective. It's the expression of the gene based upon the environmental trigger is what we are witnessing. And this mitochondrial dysfunction that is always the, the part that gets blamed, this rare mitochondrial defect in autism, one, it's not rare. It's, it's present in about 75% of the kids. And two, it's because mm-hmm. of that environmental trigger, which is, again, the displacement of the essential minerals that prevent the mitochondria from working, and especially the heavy metals and the persistent organic pollutants that take place of those essential minerals, and the one biggest culprit of all of them, of those metals and persistent organic pollutants that are causing this disruption, is mercury. So it is the introduction of mercury within the mitochondria, introduction of mercury within the cytoplasm of the cell that prevents the cell metabolism from occurring correctly. And yes. as you know, the mitochondria is a, the respiratory center of the cell. The mitochondria gets essentially shut down so it can't work. And then they call that a rare energy production defect in the mitochondria that's causing this problem. Well, isn't this just like the uh, pharmaceutical vaccine industrial complex to blame anything but the environment or what they inject or, or, you know, feed you? Because we can't, you know, we can't blame anything in industry. That means liability. So if we can blame your faulty genes, hey, we're off the hook here. And, of course, going back, like you said, to the mitochondrial disorder, this is where you're seeing a lot of research and revelations that they allow out into the media about autism. They say, oh, yes, there's a rare mitochondrial defect that, we, yes, we paid out, but it was really the gene, not the vaccine. The vaccine just happened to be at the site of the defect, and, and that way that we don't have to talk mercury. And, of course, all of the old folks with Parkinson's probably getting flu shots loaded with mercury. Well, it's not just Parkinson's. It's, all, it's, all, it's Alzheimer's. It's adult-onset dementia. It's the entire neurological deficiency syndrome, whatever you want to call it, with the exception of stroke, and even stroke, you know, that cerebrovascular disease, even stroke has its lead in mercury that causes the atherosclerotic plaque formation to begin, which causes uh, a decrease in the lumen of the blood vessels, which basically constricts the uh, flow of blood, which then causes the stroke to occur. So even there, it's a different mechanism, but it's still induced by heavy metals. And some people may be listening to us saying that oh, they're going to just blame this on heavy metals and chemicals. That's exactly what it is. The oxidative stress that causes this problem is the initial cascade that causes the various anomalies to occur, but those various anomalies are expressed in some people as Parkinson's and other people as Alzheimer's and other people as cerebrovascular disease, but it's the same pathology. Right. Why, are they get, why does one person get Parkinson's, another one get Alzheimer's, and another one get uh, atherosclerosis, or so cerebrovascular disease? It's because of the genetic predisposition. It's not a genetic issue. It's a genetic predisposition, just like a six-foot-six person is going to be more genetically predisposed mm. to be a better basketball player. Or, uh, it's, it's no different than that. It doesn't mean the person's going to be a good basketball player. It's just that they have a genetic predisposition that they're going to probably be a better basketball player because of their height. That's all that means. So if you look at the genetic code, the genetic code shows that in 
you know, looking back at their parents and their grandparents, that person ended up having, when there was a high oxidative stress they were dealing with, it manifested in damage that affected the cardiovascular system or affected the neurological system or affected the musculoskeletal system. That's all a genetic predisposition is. It's not what caused, There's no gene that says, oh, you're going to get cancer or you're going to get heart disease or you're going to get uh, Alzheimer's. It's right. that genetic expression on board the genetic predisposition that causes this issue to occur. Yes, and those of you who want to under, understand this more in depth, it's hard to get it in any one program, even though we've reiterated a lot of this over the time we're together. Uh, again, I'm encouraging you to go get uh, the nine steps to keep the doctor away because a lot of this is embedded in there. It gives you that in, that empowered perspective that you're not, uh, you know, let's say, a victim of your genes. And we have, uh, you know, speaking, I mentioned the flu shot issue. Uh, somebody's call, actually writing in. Uh, for uh, perspective here and wants your perspective. And I'd like to hear what you'd have to say as well about the, this flu shot. This is uh, from Lori. She writes in and says, hello again, Dr. Bell and Dr. Batar. Oh, my gosh, you guys have so much information in any one given program. I can't keep up with the little tidbits that you guys just throw out as maybe a little joke occasionally, but it's packed with information. For someone new to your site, it is overload, good overload, but so much that between the website and actual shows, I need a writing pad with me. I just can't work around the house and put it on because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. <laughs> this is great. Okay, my question. I work in a hospital and have basically done so my whole life. This is the first year that they are going to require us to take the flu vaccine. I'm vehemently against this. I, of course, am stressed out by the thought of losing my job. And this is the way, way she puts it, Dr. Batar. If I were your sister, what would you tell me? I am the sole support of my family. Would you tell me to nix the vax and take my chances with a job search nightmare or take it and do a heavy metal detox afterwards? I'm 57, and, a wor- and work is not as easy to find as it was in my younger days. Help, you guys are a blessing. Thank you, Lori. There it is. If, I, if she was my sister or she was my patient, I would tell, I mean, if somebody's coming to me, okay, my again on the air. It's very very difficult to do this because we're going to be you know we're, we're going to we're going to end up being construed as making a recommendation, which is something that we are not supposed to be able to do. Right. But so let's talk about it. If, if it were your your sister, your wife, or your mother, or you know, or your daughter working in that situation. Well, uh, you know, honestly, for my family, they they already know because they've heard it so many times. But let's just say what if I it was me. Okay, if it was me in my situation. And even not knowing this back in 1992, 93, or 93, 94 time frame, which is 20 years ago now, more than 20 years ago, Robert, you know the story we covered in the air a couple of years back about the flu shot when it came down to in the military having to get the flu shot. Oh, yes. Okay, so I'm not going to go into those details, but I will tell you this, that knowing what the preservatives in the vaccines do to the human body, knowing what mercury does to the body, knowing that the mercury is the second most toxic substance known to man according to the EPA, knowing the denudation of the neurofibrils that's caused, and then all the other DNA adducts and mutated human cell lines and the formaldehyde and the chemicals and all this other stuff that's inside inside the vaccine, and the various um, genetic material from chicken embryos and monkey kidneys and this and that and all these other all these other different species like dogs and cats, there is no way that I would allow any of that to be introduced into my body or into the body of my children. And I would tell a person that they need to now make a decision. Is it better to take in a substance with an alleged benefit to 
possibly prevent something that nobody can predict anyway with a known toxic substance, and not just a toxic substance, but a milieu of toxic substances in it? Or is it better to just say, screw you, I'll go get another job? In fact, even if you can't get another job, here's my question. Are you better off having no job and having your health versus having a job but not being able to go to it because you're so sick? Wow, it's a it's a tough it's a tough one. In in you know the the stand means as she pointed out, it's like wait you know this is like uh, I could lose my job right, and this is what we're hearing. What one of my suggestions? What do you think of this, Doctor Batar? Imagine if all the nurses and docs got together that are aware of this, because you know if fifty percent of the people are aware of the, the danger of vaccines now, or at least questioning it, there's got to be a significant percentage within the medical community that don't want it either. What if they all got together and said? You know, we're we're walking off the job if you guys are going to do this. I think that that would have it's a already, big. It's already happening. It's already happening, Robert. In um, with the H one N one care that came, you know, three, four, five years ago, the Washington State Nursing Association and I believe it was New York State Nursing Association filed lawsuits against the hospitals that were mandating these vaccines, H one N one. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court in both states. And, of course, mainstream media never talked about it. But the, in fact, I don't, I don't remember anybody really talking about it, but both those nursing associations stood up and took a stance on this. But they're infectious disease doctors that don't agree with this. They're nursing. I've been asked this particular question, this exact same question, I don't know why, three different times in just the last month. Interesting. But by, by nurses in, in hospitals about the flu shot. Three times already this month, and none of them were patients of mine. Incredible. Well, this is what's happening right now. I think it's like a, a gauntlet is being thrown by saying, you will get the shot or you will be fired. I think they are in such a state of desperation. We know they've already lost. It's just for them to figure it out and back off and start doing the right thing. We're going to do the right thing because we got to take a break, and we'll be back to wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Bittar next right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. This is where we kick off real healing during the week. and do what's wrong, of course, in terms of uh, vaccinating ourselves or others or children. But what if, what if, like, you know, Lori says, look, my back's against the wall. I'm the sole breadwinner. If they're going to fire me, if I don't get the shot, is there a possibility I could do the shot, get chelation, take some homeopathic detox or, you know, other strategies? Well, Robert, the, the answer to that question is this. There's always a strategy, you know, but which way do we, does the person want to go? Which way do you want to make that? momentum carry you forward and in that direction that you take that momentum that's carrying you forward in the direction that direction is wrong even though your intention is to prevent something from occurring if your direction and the momentum in which you're being moved is wrong that's where accidents end up happening it's kind of like the special right. players in football they walk out there they're crazy they never think about getting hurt they never get hurt but you walk out in the field and you think you know well, I couldn't get hurt, so let me do it this way, let me do it that way, you're always going to get hurt. And that's, again, more an intention, more an energetic, more spiritual thing we're talking about, perhaps. Right. You know, if you look at Gulf War Syndrome, you look at some of these other components, and I don't want to beat this dead horse, but you mm. look at these 
other groups that have been exposed to under the pretense of protecting them uh, and been exposed to these vaccines and then the sequela that they've had to deal with, the, the problems that they've had, I, I would have a very hard time telling somebody it's okay to do something and then do something immediately afterwards to right. protect themselves. I think the suggestion, you know, like doing chelation afterwards, you know that uh, in the public challenge that I put out there for these people that were saying that vaccines were safe and the H1N1 was safe and the, the, the thimerosal was safe, you remember the challenge I put out there is fine. If you say that um, this stuff is safe, then you take the same amount of dosage of thimerosal that a child takes when they're born, the same amount, 63 times the safe level of what the EPA says, and I'll do the same thing, except that since you say my treatments don't work, I can do my own treatment, and you do whatever you want to do, because I knew I was going to have the, the chelators that I need to pull the stuff out. Right. Having said that, I, 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 still wouldn't, I still wouldn't want to have people take... It's not just the mercury in this case. We're talking about other DNA addicts and other types of things uh, that could have a, a, a huge impact on their systems. You know, everything sure. from autoimmune... Uh, type conditions that could be acquired, and so it's 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 hard to say that. And I think you had some suggestions, and you know I, I can tell I can talk about what I did with Abby when they were insisting that he get vaccinations at school. Well, yeah, it gets into the the legal threat to say, hey, can you do it as a, like say a nurse working in a hospital? Say, listen, I'll be happy to get the shot. You just need to sign this waiver saying that you'll be liable for any and all damages should I be harmed by it. I mean, would they do that? Well, exactly, and that's what we did with the school, and they, you know, backed off. And uh, and the, the whole idea behind the hospital saying that you need this, you know, it's, again, preposterous because what, what's the reason for a staff member having to get this? Well, because we don't want the staff members to get injured by getting the flu. Well, that's one argument, but thank you very much for being concerned about my health, but, you know, I don't want to have the flu shot. Oh, well, then we're afraid that you're going to make the other staff members sick if you get the flu? Well, the other staff members have already gotten the flu shot, so what are you worried about them? They're already protected if the flu shot works. Oh, well, we're afraid that you may get the patients sick from the flu? Well, they're mandating the patients take the flu shot. So again, <laughs> I mean, every one of these arguments is flawed. So why are they being mandated? Well, if you mandate that you I have to take something, then I should be protected. If, you, if I get injured from your mandation, then then you need to be able to sign this piece of paper and say that you expect respons- you accept a responsibility for mandating me doing something that ended up causing me to have harm. I mean, yes. this is a fundamental violation of freedom on every aspect. You have to do this. Oh, and if you get injured, you're on your own. Yeah, you're on your own. You're SOL, exactly. So I think that standing up and, and having more folks stand up together is going to strengthen. Inevitably, it's going to come crumbling down, the whole vaccine industrial complex. But in the meantime, they're not going out without a fight, trying to force all these health care providers and hospitals to get injected with mercury and other things. Listen, we're about out of time, Dr. Batar, but I want to invite everybody to come out to Autism One in May in Chicago. And there's a lot of information being put up at autismdefined.net, autismdefined.net. And you can see Advanced Medicine on stage, Dr. Batar, RSB together. It'll be awesome. Yeah, Robert, I actually um, was just thinking when you were talking about this, I know we we're out of time, but it's the dissidents like us that have something to worry about because they're going to round us up first. So if you guys start seeing us being rounded up, then you know that everything we've been talking about was not only true, but it's you're next, so 
yeah. take, uh, take matters in your own hand and protect yourselves and your family. Right. Stand with us and uh, bring that power to heal back where it belongs. And you know where that is. Thank you, Dr. Rashid Batar. Check out the nine steps to keep the doctor away till next week. More advanced medicine. I'll be back tomorrow because the power to heal is definitely yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.